feels right and good to be here with you today in this, uh, in this space. Um, just grateful to uh, spend some moments kind of for us as a church family this morning getting centered uh, in some core uh, realities uh, for us as a church. Kind of a vision Sunday uh, is today and we just want to take an opportunity kind of in between uh, series uh, to center us in in a couple of things over the next few weeks uh, to launch us into the fall ministry calendar. So some vision today, and then we'll take the next two Sundays and talk together about the call of community and what it means for us to live life uh, together. Uh, in, in that regard, in terms of living life together, uh, there's lots of things launching uh, parents of high schoolers. Uh, high school ministry starts tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, in the lobby. So high school ministry starting, parents of middle schoolers, they're starting, their launch is on Wednesday. Uh, we're launching life groups two weeks from today on September 11th. Uh, college ministry, I think that I heard there was lots of college students out there. I think we have a slide. Here's a, all the stuff that's happening for college students. Uh, my wife just said, we need to do that college donut thing every Sunday. So maybe we will. I mean, if you're a college student in the room, why wouldn't you come to church early and eat a free donut? And hang out. So we, we uh, just keep your eyes open on that. Follow us on the Instagram page. Um, but that's the stuff that's starting uh, next Sunday. College students, we're providing lunch for you at my friend Steve and Chandra Balmer's house. There's the address. They're going to provide a meal for you after church. Just come and gather in fellowship. So a lot of, a lot of opportunity for connection coming uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, I also want to make sure that we're continuing to let you know uh, we're having a 10-year church celebration on Sunday, September 24th. We're trying to figure out where this is going to be. It's hard to figure out a place to have a big, like basically a reception for multi-hundreds of people. And so Sarah's working really hard. We're talking as a staff. We were hoping to have a place for you today. Uh, just continue to make that uh, date in your mind. That's a 10-year celebration where we're just going to celebrate God's faithfulness to us uh, over the last 10 years. And really, I think today as we as we move into the fall, this is, I mean, we're at the 10-year mark as a church uh, in terms of when we started gathering people in our living room in 2012. And so um, it's like, you know, I don't know it's, it's, it's a round number. 10 is a round number. And so it's like, okay, what's the next 10 years going to look like? I was camping with a good friend, uh, our family, with a few families this summer. And uh, the question, it's an easy question to ask. Uh, hey, Swain, like, what's What's the dream? I think, you know, the question was like going forward, like looking ahead, uh, what's the dream for Two Rivers Church? And uh, without like going in the woods and, and having a quiet time and praying or anything like that, I just kind of said like as soon as the question was posed, I just, what's the dream? I just said, well, this, this is the dream. Like this, I'm looking, I'm standing here, I'm looking at you in this house that God's given us. And I think back all over the last 10 years and all the stories and all the people and all the places and all the ministries that we've um, been a part of starting and launching and cultivating, and I just go, this, this is the dream. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at uh, friends that I love and that have loved me and my family, and I look at you, and I just go, I look at all you college students, and like, we didn't even consider moving to a city that didn't have a college in it, so it's like we were so clear that God was calling us to a college town so that we could encourage, equip, launch college students in ministry. Like, this is, this is the dream. Like, what God has done with the vision that God gave Lindsay and I back in um, 2007 and 8 when we were in grad school uh, is beyond what we could have asked, imagined, or even thought. Um, and I would say to you, like, I felt this last service, like, to be here on, like, Vision Sunday, 10 years in, next 10 years, I am so, uh, we are so humbled, privileged, honored uh, to be your pastors and, and to lead this church forward. Um, I wanted to just look back a little uh, at the beginning and kind of where we've been over the last 10 years and then kind of look forward together at the end of our time. And when I look back, the thing that uh, always centers me and calling and vision uh, pastorally is our it's our vision statement it's our vision verse uh, it's John 1 16 uh, and the verse just says from the fullness of Jesus we have all received grace upon grace um, 
Two Rivers Church is that phrase. It is the phrase, grace upon grace. We do live in between the Big Thompson and the Cash Laputer. That also works. That's the region we live in, but we didn't name this Two Rivers Church because of the Pooter River. People back in Tennessee would have really laughed about that. Um, but it's a, it's a grace and freedom. We sell, on the front page of our website, we celebrate and proclaim grace and freedom in Christ. That's the vision. And I, I want to I show you as we start this morning in terms of Vision Sunday and centering us as we launch into the fall in the next 10 years of our story, uh, vision, culture, values, what John 1.17 says. I mean, certainly John 1.16, this is our vision. Uh, that is, bless you. Uh, John 1.17, the law, speaking of the Mosaic law, the old covenant of law, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. And there's, a, there's something I want you to notice in verse 17, like the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth was manifest. Uh, John 1.14 in Eugene Peterson's translation, the, the, the message that God put skin on and moved into our neighborhood. Uh, grace and truth came, was manifest in the person of Christ. And I want to talk about that phrase, grace and truth, because um, some cultures that you may have been a part of, families, churches, whatever, um, a, a more rigid, a more legalistic, a more behavior modification culture. When I say behavior modification culture, I mean uh, I am going to seek ways of, of utilizing tactics of fear and shame to get you to modify your behavior to do what I think you ought to be doing or you should be doing. Uh, a, a culture that's centered in that would look at John 1.17 and they might make this statement, we need to balance grace and Truth. Have you ever heard that phrase before? We need to balance the grace of God and the truth of God. What do they mean when they say that? I think what they mean is you got to be careful with grace because if you really proclaim freedom in Christ and from the fullness of Christ you have received, you have been lavished, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, people will take advantage of it, and they'll act a fool. And so you need to balance grace with truth. And when they say truth, what do you think they mean? I am going to tell you how to behave. And truth ends up being a behavior modification, more rigid, legalistic way of Overemphasizing obedience and underemphasizing freedom in Christ, identity in Christ, and learning and, and progressing and growing and being transformed over time. Are you with me right now? What I'm telling you in this verse is that grace and truth are both fully realized in Jesus. Grace and truth aren't doctrines to believe. Grace and truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus isn't asking us in the scriptures to balance him out. So if we don't trust people, if I don't trust someone to manage their freedom in Christ well, what I am prone to do is to seek religious ways to keep them in line. And then what I am also prone to do is to keep secret the ways that I am not walking in line. And so we're controlling people with that kind of mojo, and then we're hiding for, from people about our own life and story. And I, that's not freedom in Christ. From the fullness of God, we have received grace upon grace, and grace and truth are fully manifest in Christ, we receive salvation and healing in His grace and in His truth. We are transformed in our minds and in our lives by His grace and His truth. Then we are empowered to go on mission of freeing captives with His grace and His truth. I would say it this way grace is on the side of truth, they're not on two different teams. And truth is on the side of grace, and they both came in the person 
of Jesus. Um, This is central for us. This is core for us. This is vision for us. This is what the vision was 15 years ago. It's what the vision was when we moved here. It's a vision today. It's going to be the vision going forward. Um, I want to look back. I was just thinking about the last 10 years in this vision of walking this vision out with you. Whenever you kind of came a part of this vision and this family and this mission, wherever we were in that timeline, uh, and thinking about the last 10 years of walking out this vision, just a few thoughts. I just, the friends that we love, friends that we love that have come into our life. We didn't know anyone when we moved to Fort Collins. We just, as someone told us when we were leaving, like, you're just, you're just, you got a vision and you just, you're kind of faith risk takers. Good luck, Swain. Uh, and I looked in, you're like, oh my gosh, the friends, friends that we love, friends that we love. And so many testimonies of walking in friendship with you when we're, we're being refreshed and we're being liberated and we're being freed in this message of new covenant grace and freedom. We've witnessed so many of you have transforming stories and you were refreshed in the very same ways we got refreshed. And I'm so thankful. Um, A church community that embraces the challenge and the beauty of being oriented as a family. Not just a place to come to, oh, I go to that church, but a place of belonging. This is my family. These are my people. This is my tribe. This is, this is where I'm known. This is, where I, this is who I serve with. This is, I'm loved. I mean, love people, love people. And I'm on the receiving end of love, and I'm on the giving end of love, and we're serving alongside of each other, and we have become a family, uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. And thirdly, a movement of grace and freedom that understands that everybody gets to play in this vision, in this mission, in this church. Like, uh, we, we don't talk about church membership. We talk about church partnership. We partner in the vision. We partner in the mission. We partner in the work of walking with Jesus and advancing his gospel and strengthening his church and reaching new people. Um, Paul writes this in Acts chapter 20. He says, uh, In everything that I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than receive. I think of the Abrahamic covenant. We've just walked through that series from Abe to Dave in Genesis 12. I have blessed you to be a blessing and that we have been a part of the blessing business together for a number of years. What I've just talked about with you are our three core values. Uh, and that's, that's what I think about. When I think about the last 10 years, I think about our three core values, which are directly centered into our vision of proclaiming grace and freedom. I want to take you back to the very beginning. If you have been a part of our Get Connected to Partnership class before, you've heard this story. So just bear with me as I share this. But if you are newer or you've never been a part of our Get Connected to Partnership class, which, by the way, happens once a quarter. The next one's going to be on October 30th. We're doing those on the Sundays when we have a church scattered project where we don't gather here. We go serve. On those Sunday nights, we're doing a Get Connected to Partnership class. But uh, we, we, Lindsay and I always share this uh, story. And we were in seminary in Los Angeles. I went and got my master's at uh, Biola University Talbot School of Theology. And I don't remember where I was along the journey of being in grad school together, but I'll always remember the moment when I'm sitting basically at the kitchen table and Lindsay brings her Bible and she puts it in front of me and there's a verse in the upper right hand. I mean, I literally remember where it was when she put it in front of me. Upper right hand part of the Bible was underlined or highlighted and she just simply said, have you ever seen this verse in the Bible? Just, have you ever seen that? And I read it and my answer to her was like, I've, I'm sure I've read it. But I don't know that I've ever seen it. And um, I'm not exaggerating when I say this to you in this way. Like that moment, that verse, that moment in time, Lindsay and I at the kitchen table, this verse changed everything for us. It sent us on a journey of being delivered from legalism. 
And it helped us understand the true reality of what freedom in Christ really means and in the reality that Jesus came to inaugurate the new covenant of his grace. Here's the verse. Here's what stopped us in our tracks and changed everything for us. This is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. That phrase, his commands are not burdensome. We just got a puppy. We're not the smartest of people sometimes as a family. Like Ellie's going to college on Tuesday. Uh, She's like leaving. And we just took on a puppy. And that's, that's not, yeah. It's like having a newborn. It's like having a newborn. Um, I don't know why I just said that, actually. I don't know why I just told that story. Uh, but his commands are not burdensome. It stops us in our tracks. Um, and I think what it caused us to do is it just caused us to look, oh, I know why I was talking about the puppy. Because a puppy sometimes will look at you and just go, huh? You know that, that thing? It, that verse kind of caused Lindsay and I to look at each other and be like, huh. His commands aren't burdensome. Why has it felt mostly burdensome to us all the years that we've been connected? Um, so it just, it, our lives were changed, and we were liberated, and literally, I think for us, it was like, people need to know. I think there's a lot of people who are like us that need to be refreshed in this message. And um, we started dreaming, we started praying, we started writing things down on Post-it notes uh, that were all over the wall of our kitchen, uh, that those notes are now in a moleskin in my nightstand, uh, it's a precious thing in my life that it's that dreaming praying season all those post-it notes became the dna of this church that was the dream that god was giving to us so that was 2007 2008 four years later or so uh, we landed here in fort collins and we started in our living room in 2012 um, we were nine months in and we were i was i had read you know church planning strategy books and I'm, pretty, I'm kind of a driven person, and I'm a basketball coach, and so I'm intense, and, you know, just type A, all that kind of stuff, uh, for good and for bad. That's just, that's just how I'm wired. That's who I am. And uh, three people came to, like, this gathering to, like, give the vision for Two Rivers. And after they left, I was so discouraged, and I was ready to quit. I was, I had two things in my mind. I'm like, there's no fruit. We've been here nine months. There's no fruit. And two, I was feeling this guilt of people that were giving us money to plant a church. People from back in Tennessee, people from in college, people from Alaska, people that knew us, loved us, believed in us, and they were supporting us financially like you would support a missionary. And they were supporting us financially to start this church. There was no church to support us, so we needed people to support us. And I, I, was, I felt guilty for them giving us money. And Lindsay basically said, could you could you please stop it with all of your church planning strategy books? And could we just simply practice hospitality in our home? My wife is feisty. It's wonderful. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And she goes, would you, would you please stop it with all, could we just practice hospitality, provide some bagels, some coffee, invite people into our home, and you just teach, teach freedom in Christ? And so we did that, and in the fall of 2012, we went from five, because it was five that day, because Lindsay and I were, well, it was really 12, and we had the Swain train, you know, all five of our kids, plus Lindsay and I, plus the other three. So technically, we were like double digits that day at Two Rivers Church, but really, there was five of us. It grew from five to 50 over the course of a few months in our living room, 10 years, eight locations, global, and I would say, like, I was ready to quit. If not for Lindsay and her faith and encouragement, I was done. I really was done. Uh, Ten years, eight locations, a global pandemic later, here we are. We did this in the first service. It was kind of fun. Show of hands. Is anyone in the room that started at Two Rivers when we were in our living room? Are there any living room people? Ellie, Savannah, my daughters, Tim, Heidi. That was a small group, small group of people. And then we moved to T.R. Paul, which is now Colorado Early Colleges over by Cruz Elementary on um, Horsetooth over by the Safeway. And they gave us a six-month window to kind of a trial run. And if you don't know this story, you're going to enjoy this. 
the, the milk machine was so loud. And so when I would get up to teach, we would just unplug it. And I was responsible for plugging it back in. <laughs> and on this one fateful Sunday, I forgot to plug it back in. And guess who called me on Monday morning? The school. And we got the right foot of fellowship right out of there. <laughs> and that ended it. The milk, the milk refrigerator. It was not a good day. Not a good day. Uh, we were homeless. And my friend Eddie, who is at Peak Community Church just right over here on Mulberry, offered their uh, house to us on Sunday nights in the summer of 2013. Any, anybody come to us in those days? Hi, Sarah. Moved here from Alaska to help us. 23rd, any other TR, Paul, freshman? I mean, it was so, I know that you were there. You don't have to raise your hands every. It's just, we're raising our hands when you started coming to Two Rivers. It was, I promise you, it was 10 degrees hotter in that church on Sunday night than it is right now in here. It was hot in there. And then we moved over to BB. BB, anybody started Two Rivers during the BB Savannah? Savannah, who's up there? I see you, Shane. Yeah, we were really college heavy. And BB, you guys, it was a janky old school with a janky old gym. It didn't smell good. The, the chairs were like those metal chairs. Uh, if you were looking for bells and whistles at a church, you weren't sticking around with us. But we were a people that loved Jesus and loved the freedom and we loved each other and we grew there. Uh, and then they sold the building. That building is now raised and they put an apartment building on there. It's over by the campus, uh, over by the stadium. Uh, go Rammies, by the way. When do y'all start your football season? Is that next week? Next Saturday? Where's the game? Here, home game. Oh, at Michigan. Ooh, eek. Eek. Starting at the big house. Eek. Eek. We got to go blue on the front row. There we go. Um, <laughs> And then we moved to Global Village Academy, which became Colorado Early Colleges. And that's really where we found it. Anybody start at Two Rivers in that season? Yeah, that, that season of life was when we really kind of got our footing as a church. And we got, on our, we got on our own two feet financially. We grew our staff. Uh, the church started becoming more intergenerational uh, in that five-year window. And then COVID hits. Uh, and then we were homeless again. And then uh, my good friend... Uh, Chris at Antioch Church, they opened their front yard to us. Anybody start at tours on the front yard of Antioch? Yes. Yes. Remember how hot it was? We had that one day when the wind blew and all the tents were like, whoosh. we're in the middle of worship and all the tents blowing everywhere. And literally in that season, we're just, I mean, that was a hard season to pastor, you guys. That was a really hard season. We literally were just like, we're just trying to keep a church alive and moving forward. And then my friend Bert's. At Council Tree opened uh, their house to us. Like, there's a theme here, right? Churches in this community that have an ecumenical spirit that are opening their house to a nomad, homeless church community. And it happened again and again and again and again. And so we go to Council Tree. Anybody start when we were at Council Tree? Yeah, some growth at Council Tree in their gymnasium. Uh, set up, tear down, set up, tear down, set up, tear down. And then God brought us here. And I don't know if you know this, but the, I, listen, I know the pews, I know they stick to you. So just know that. <laughs> we have gotten that feedback. I'm not totally sure. Um, be careful if you give that feedback because we just might say, yes, we know. Would you be willing to raise up a team of people to come in and sand all the pews and re-put, refinish on them? To which when we say that, most people are like, I think I can live with it sticking to my, <laughs> I, think, I, th I think it's okay for me. Uh, basically, it's going to get cold here in the winter, and they're not going to stick to you. It's a summer problem. <laughs> so, but uh, God bless us with this. Now, who started coming to Two Rivers here? Yeah. And so over the years, new people, new people, and this is where we are today. Uh, when people ask me, how's it been? How's it been for you and Lindsay? How's it been for your family starting a church, I told you, uh, this is the dream, and I mean that, and that's, that's a true statement, and we are proud and humbled and privileged, but if I could, um, if I could step off of the podium and away from all this and just sit down, if I could just be Jason, by the way, you can call me Jason, you can call me Swain, that's my, most people call me Swain, that's my last name, um, 
If I could just be a real person and just invite you behind the curtain. Could I do that for a second? Um, it's been sacrificial. Um, more so for my wife than you could possibly know or imagine. Um, for us, our family. Um, it's been hard. It's not been easy. Um, we're not perfect. We haven't made all the right decisions. We love Jesus. We love the freedom we have in Christ. We love proclaiming it. We love people. All that's genuine. It's so genuine. We love being a pastor of the church, but it's not always been easy. And I don't know how to get around this. I was talking to my friend Josh about this, like when people like leave, um, and people leave for good reasons. I don't know how not to take it personal. You know, like, but the church grows because people come and, and but we're not a church for everyone, and people need to move on. And, but sometimes, I, mean, I just, I mean, I'm just, after all, I'm a living, breathing human being, and I got feelings, and sometimes my feelings get hurt, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you otherwise. Um, but I will tell you, in all of our ministry experiences over all these years, I've been in full-time vocational ministry since 1996. I'm 49 years old. Um, Planting this church, even with the hard work, the sacrifice, all those things, it has been the most rewarding ministry experiences of my life, bar none. And also, it's been the hardest. It's just both and. Um, it's not been easy. There have been real seasons of real discouragement and battling the enemy's lies. Um, I will tell you... Uh, the, like, if you, if you are stirred to pray for me, um, I would pray for me on Sunday afternoons. That window is the hardest, darkest window for me. Because you get up and you pour yourself out and old tapes might play. Because I want to do well. I want you to like me, you know. But the reality is, like, there's a, there's a lot of people you can listen to online that are way more dynamic and way smarter. And honestly, they're better teachers and they're better preachers than I am. But I think what makes me unique is that those guys that you listen to on YouTube, they don't know you. And if you, if you email me and you text me and you ask for my time, I will give you my time. And we will meet and I will counsel and we will walk that through. And so, but it's hard. But it's hard. Um, and we battle discouragement and lies um, the passage I want to look at in this, and by the way, I'm not a, about to drop a bomb on you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not about to be like, and deuces. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been real. Ten years. Uh, Greg, Paul Anglin, Andrew West, our leadership team, our staff, you guys take it from here, Lindsay and I, we're moving to Jamaica. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, probably that would be a, that would be a good thought. And someday we might move to Jamaica. Not to the beach of Jamaica, though, by the way. We're going to move to Catadupa. And we're going to do ministry with our partners there in Catadupa. But um, behind the curtain, planting a church, pastoring has helped me understand more and more of Paul's testimony in Colossians 1 when he talks specifically about what it means to labor for the sake of the church. And when, I, when we read this, what I want to invite you to, this isn't just for Paul. This isn't just for Lindsay and I because we're pastors. This is for the people of God that carry, because we're this the priesthood of believers. In the new covenant, it's not just the pastor's responsibility to, to strengthen the church and reach the community. It's all of us. We're all in this. This is High School Musical. We're all in this together. We're all in this together, but it's hard and it's laborious and it requires some grit on our behalf, and so I want to spend some time looking at Paul's testimony. It is a little warm in here. I'm noticing you guys just know that up here, I'm feeling that as well. It's a little warm. Uh, Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Let's read this together. Paul's labor for the church. Paul says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. So what Paul is saying is like, look, I have suffered I've suffered on your behalf, but I rejoice. My circumstances of laboring and suffering does not remove joy from my life because the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
So I can carry hard things. I can hold hard things. I can go through pain. I can even suffer. And that doesn't remove joy from my life because joy isn't determined by my circumstances. Joy is given to me from the Lord himself. And so he is rejoicing in what was suffered for you. Who is he writing to? He's writing to the church in Colossae. And then he says, and I, Paul, my life, my ministry, I fill up in my flesh, in my story, in my life, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. We're going to talk about that in just a second. What in the world does that mean? For the sake of his body, which is the church. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission of God, that the, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. And here it is, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. This has been hidden for ages. The gospel is for the world. Jews and non-Jews alike, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages is now disclosed to the saints, to them. God has chosen to make it known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus, admonishing teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor. To this end, I labor, we labor. Struggling, it's laborious. It's a struggle sometimes with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. We have been empowered with his spirit to do the work that God has called us to do. What's the context The context here is gospel mission together. That's what Paul is talking about. And so when we ask the question, what does it mean that Paul is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, it's important for us to know what the context is. The context is the gospel mission together as one people of God. So here's what Paul's saying. The gospel mission Starting Jesus coming to open the gospel, the love, the grace, the mercy, the salvation that we have in the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus suffered for the mission, right? He went to Calvary. He is our substitutionary sacrifice. Uh, He has sacrificed one time for all so that in Jesus, in his perfect sacrifice, all are made whole. All are saved to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus suffered for the mission. And what Paul is saying And I am an apostle, and I have been commissioned by God to take this message of Jesus and his grace and his mercy and his salvation, and I have been called to move the gospel forward beyond the Jews to Gentiles and the nations. And what Paul is saying, Jesus died and rose again, and he is now given to us. We are now his witnesses. We are the ones that have been called to proclaim. And what Paul is saying, I have moved, God has used me to move the gospel mission forward. And in the, in, in the movement from Paul to here, he's saying, I have suffered here. But it's worth it because it's for the sake of the church and the growing mission. And what he's saying is, if we are going to take the mission forward, he is, we also are going to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, meaning we are also going to carry the hard work, Acts 20. And we are going to carry the labor and to some measure the pain of what it means to be in partnership with Jesus in the gospel mission going forward. The lack Paul refers to is the gap of sufferings between the present reach of the gospel and the future suffering that will occur in establishing the gospel in new places. Paul was moving to Rome. He would go establish the church in 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 the center of the Roman Empire and his suffering would be present. And he's like, but it doesn't remove my joy and I do it for the sake of the gospel. What does this mean? What does this passion mean for us today? 10 years in, 
with our eyes on the horizon 10 years in our future. As strange as it might sound, you too will fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. If you're stepping into the vision and the mission of liberating captives, you also will experience the hard work and the labor and the suffering to some degree. And so what I, my encouragement, my exhortation this today in point one is this. Let us not shrink back from the hard work, but embrace it with joy. Amen? I mean, people would say, like, I would give you three reasons. How did two rivers get to this place 10 years in? And I would say, well, first and foremost, the grace and the favor of God, period. Period. Second, he has brought gifted, passionate people in partnership with this, with this vision. And then third, we are a gritty group of people. We're not afraid of hard work. We We'll get after it. And so our vision and our partnership um, requires us to embrace that we have work to do. And I'm just thinking about this passage, caring for people, like caring well for people. It's time, talent, treasure. Blessing people, serving people, building, building ministry, counseling, proclaiming, discipling, reaching, giving of our time, talents, and resources to build God's kingdom on the earth. To this end, we labor. Another translation of that verse, verse 29, to this end, we strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within us. Let us not be afraid of the labor of the gospel mission, but embrace it with joy, I pray. Secondly, if we're going to go on gospel mission together and we're going to do it as a family, gospel-centered, family-oriented, mission-minded, if we're going to go on gospel mission together, together means us and a family, we are going to have some relational issues along the way. Amen? It's hard. It's hard work. Um, we are passionate about relational ministry, life on life, caring, sharing, serving together. But let's be honest, people are people. People are people, especially church people. And I'm one of those. I'm one of those. We are in process. We are imperfect. We have baggage. We have expectations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Going on a gospel mission together sets us up to possibly being misunderstood at some point, being stood up, being rejected along the way. I have experienced all these things, and I know a number of you have as well. And let's be honest, I am going to make mistakes. You are going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes together. Agree? So what do we do with that? If we are going to keep after this together, a spirit of grace and humility among this community is absolutely necessary. Would you agree with that? A spirit of grace and humility and forgiving one another as we work together in advancing the gospel together in our community. Um, Family culture moves us to working through these issues together, believing the best about one another and forgiving one another along the way. And those fans feel fantastic. I can feel that all the way up here. Turn your Bible one over to Colossians 3. Let's, let's read Paul's words around. What does it look like for us? How are we to serve and live and grow gospel mission together? He has some really honest things to encourage us in. Verse 12, Colossians 3, therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, Christ is all and is in all. We are all one in Christ. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive Whatever grievances you may have against one another. Is that easy work? That's not easy work. How could we possibly experience that here? The empowerment, the empowerment of God's forgiveness to us. 
which is what Paul says. Like, if he is going to call us to forgive one another, whatever grievances we have with each other, next statement, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because God has forgiven me, I am empowered and able to forgive you. And that's how we create a, a culture of forgiveness with each other as we work through issues together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are called to gospel kingdom values together in advancing the gospel, to which I just simply say to you, are you in on that? Like in my notes, it's all caps, it's circled, question mark, question mark. Are you in? Here's the vision. Here's the mission. Here's, here's the call of God in our lives. Here's the exhortation. Are you in? Because I'm in. We're in. And I'm praying that you're in, and let's do this together, because I believe the best 10 years are in front of us, not behind us. We have people to see and commune with and reach, and we have a church to grow, and not to our glory, but to his glory. What's the payoff? If you're in, I'm in. If you're in, what's the payoff for this kind of labor? Because you're like, hey, you're, I'm not really kind of whooping you up and like, you know, a feel-good, fruity tooty kind of, it's like, hey, you're going to labor, you're going to suffer, you're going to struggle, we're going to have relational issues with each other, like, are you in? And I'm not here like, yeah! <laughs> but here's the payoff. Here's the payoff. The glorious riches of this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe this is worth our lives together. We are the Jesus people. We're the freedom. We're like the Jesus freedom people. We're the grace and mercy people. We're the hope people. We're the, like, we're the, we have joy even when life is hard people. To which an unbelieving world looks at you and they look at your pain and they look at your struggle and they look at your story and they see joy in your life and they see hope in your life and their question is, how can that possibly be? And we earn a hearing to tell them about a God who is full of grace and mercy and has given us joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, no matter what may come our Way I just simply say, people need to know. Amen? People need to know. And God has sent us on a mission to tell them. And I'm all in, and I pray you are all in. And if I could just give a nuance to this, I would say, let's be the people who aren't going out on the streets to convert everybody. Let's be the people that go out on the streets to bless people with no strings attached. Because I believe that people don't care what you know unless they know that you care. So let's be those people. And guess what? You're going to earn a hearing. You're going to earn the right to tell them about the hope that you have. So let's be God has blessed me and I am blessing you. I'm going to close our time with some opportunities. Everywhere that Paul went on his mission, when we read the book of Acts, uh, his mission was centered in two things. Strengthen the church and grow new ministry. Strengthen the church is part of the mission, and growing ministry, reaching new people is part of the mission. We see it in all, of, all three of Paul's missionary journeys in the second half of the book of Acts. So what I want to do is I just want to highlight for you, as we're launching ministry this fall at various ministries, both in our church and outside of our church, that you can partner with, and we're inviting you to partner with in some degree or another. And I want to start with what I would call the most essential of all, oh, well, that's not the most essential. That's just our staff team. 
I forgot this was that. I forgot this was here last service as well. Uh, I would say to you on behalf of our staff team, we love you. We're all in. We want to invite you, and we're pretty fun. We like to have a good time. This is actually my birthday. Uh, Kenny is combing his mustache there. If you're trying to figure that out, uh, we are inviting you to do this with us. Um, I'm not sure what my beautiful bride is doing back there, showing she's gone. Tell me she's not even here. Uh, but here's a picture of, um, I think this was Transition Sunday, and I just, we look at our kids, right, like, we have essential ministries, but there is not a more essential ministry than our children. There's nothing more essential than our children, and do you agree with that? Like, let the little children come to me. Like, it is the most essential ministry of our church. And Becca Miller is an absolute gifted called rock star. And she needs, yeah, you, yeah. And she, I'm glad you're clapping because she needs your help. This isn't about guilt. I'm not that kind of pastor. That's not who I am. It's not what we do here. But this is, this is a call to action. This is an invitation. If we're serious about our kids' ministry being the most essential ministry in our church, Becca should probably never be like, I don't have leaders. She should have an abundance of leaders. Like, I got too many, and she's feeding leaders everywhere. Um, Becca wrote this. This is not babysitting. Quote, this is not babysitting. We are intentionally teaching children about new covenant grace and freedom in Christ. It's a growing ministry. Lots of new families, hallelujah, are coming to Two Rivers. A lot of babies, 20 plus babies this year alone and more are coming. Um, part of the blessing of the renovation is that we grew, uh, we created a, a, a full new room in the basement, and there's a new room that we're doing in our upstairs room, so we're having uh, basically two new classrooms, one in the basement and one up. There's going to be like a crawler, like toddler, one-year, two-year-old, because the, the nursery is literally exploding at the seams, exploding other areas as well, I'm sure. I'm not over there, but it's just a lot of babies to hold. And so we need volunteers to address these new classrooms, but also to meet current needs. One service once a month, two hours of your month. You can serve every other week. We're a two-service model church. You can serve once a week at the 830 service and then come to the 1030 service if you'd like to. Our staff team will, I mean, I'll do a backflip. I'll do a backflip. I'll do it right now. I'll do a backflip right here, Greg Hook. Right here. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. But I got your attention. She needs people for two hours once a month. Can you do that? Because the, the reality is we need people today to say yes to the most essential ministry of our church. Student ministry, Kenny Van Ryan came in a year ago, is doing such a fantastic job building this community. Uh, middle school and high school ministry have both doubled in the last year. Um, his words, we have a family-type feel, a real place of real belonging for teenagers. Um, they've begun camping ministry traditions this year, um, fall weekend camps, winter weekend camps, summer camps, retreats with both groups. We are developing servants. High school students are giving their time to middle school students. High school and middle school students are serving in our kids' ministry, and he wants that to continue to grow. He's asking for you to pray for leaders to have wisdom, discernment, and energy. High school groups launching tonight. Middle school ministries launching on Wednesday night. Uh, both middle school and high school leaders, they were together on Friday night. They were together, together all day yesterday doing training, getting ready for the year. Pray for them. Wisdom, discernment, energy. Kenny says, pray for students to have a greater understanding of the gospel Pray that students get rooted in the word. 
And then this is something that he wants to start in student ministry. We are going to begin and adopt a student to pray for this school year. So middle school and high school students that want this, it's not going to be a requirement for them. But if they want this, they're going to fill out a card, a little paragraph. And this church will have an opportunity to take one student. And this is your student to pray for, encourage, take to coffee, whatever you want to do with it. But Kenny's like, I want the body of Christ praying for these teens because these teens are in warfare every day. And we're going to circle around them. Now, college students, we moved to a college town on purpose. College students bring such a beautiful energy and presence to our church. We love, we love that college students are here. And we strive to help you learn and grow into the men and women God has called us to be. Some highlights from the last year, deep relationships forming within gender-specific small groups this year, on Monday nights, we're looking forward to the semester of incorporating a more large group community and then splitting into smaller groups. So the idea is that you guys will come together. Um, there'll be a worship, some worship, some intimate worship in here, and then you'll split into smaller groups out of here on Monday nights. That's starting on September the 19th. And then a need that Spada said is we plan to have lunch after church once a month for college students. And we would love for families who would be willing to open their home and provide a meal and space for college students to be blessed by a community. And college students, hear this, free food, free food. Hey, hey. So uh, that's starting next week, but SPADA is looking for other families that would be willing to open their backyard or their home for that. They want to do that once a month. Uh, young adults, uh, Sarah West, the Bradleys. Uh, Steve and Sherilyn Bradley give leadership to young adults. Thursday night is kind of their night uh, to commune together. Here's their journey this, this year, first and third Thursdays of the month. Uh, potlucks, fellowship, discussion based on the sermons. And then on the second and fourth Thursdays, they're just going to go recreate and play and enjoy friendship with each other. Um, also, after the second service, every Sunday, young adults go to lunch together. So if you're, not, if you're a young adult and you're not connected, go to the lobby today. You'll find the young adults, they're all going to lunch. That's just an easy place of connection. And they are serving. Young adults are serving and volunteering and plugging into life groups all over the church. Um, life groups, we're, I'm going to fly through this. The next two weeks, we're going to um, talk about the call of community. I'm going to speak on Acts 2 next week. And then we're going to have a life group Sunday on... Um, September 11th, where you're going to get to meet life group leaders in here. They're going to share about their group. You're going to hear testimonies. And then life group leaders are going to set up out in the lobby, and you'll have a chance to go meet them, hear more. Our hope is that we are mobilizing and catalyzing and encouraging everyone in this house to go find some smaller group that they can belong to. Because you know this, I know this. You don't make friends coming to a gathering like this. You make connections, we get stirred up in the Holy Spirit when we sing and we pray, we're coming under the word. There's a lot of beautiful things that happen in this big gathering, but we can't create friendships here. You guys know what I'm saying? Friendships happen out there when we serve together and we're in small groups together. So we're just highly encouraged uh, with our small group ministry. I would uh, share this with you, a quote from John Ortberg. He says, I have never known anyone who is isolated, lonely, unconnected, had no deep relationships, yet had a meaningful and joy-filled life. Two Rivers, we believe that sustained life change takes place best in the context of intentional relationships. And so we want to cultivate that. Um, worship and prayer. Um, Lindsay and Dottie, raise your hand, Dottie, giving leadership to our prayer ministry. Um, Lindsay as well, working with Dottie. We have some we have some prayer warriors who are ready to pray. And if you have prayer needs, let me know. I will give it to them. They are also uh, ready to minister to you at the end of every service. Um, and we want this to be a place where, uh, where prayer is an option, a ministry uh, for you. Uh, they get together monthly to fellowship, share, and pray in their lives. If you have a heart for ministry and intercession, uh, please let Dottie or Lindsay know. They love to grow their team. Um, I'm excited about this new prayer ministry that's just starting uh, over the last few months. And their worship team, uh, Andrew Spada, his words, we're a group of uh, dynamic, talented worshipers seeking to honor God with our gifts. We strive for excellence in all we do, 
and we're always looking to grow our community needs. We are in need of bass players. Bow, bow, bow. I don't play any instrument, but I love the bass because can you just, just use your thumb? But we need some bass players, he said, but we'd also love to add more instrumentalists, vocalists, audio, media volunteers at any time. In other words, Spade is going, we can use you. We can use you. He can train you on the board. Um, I, I say this about the board, the guys and the gals that serve back. And nobody knows. I mean, I can see Jeff and Jeffrey up there, and they've been here probably since 630. Uh, they serve all morning long. Nobody knows they're there unless it goes really bad up here. <laughs> and then everybody knows they're there. It's a, it's a servant in the back. I'm, I'm just giving my time so that people are encouraged and refreshed and we don't have a distracted service. And we're always looking for people to serve, uh, to serve there. Uh, we also thank those who are blessing in this way and invite others who would be interested in providing breakfast for our worship team as they spend their entire mornings. They get here at 6.30. They go home at 1. Like, they were here Thursday night for how many hours? Anybody in here? Two or three hours? Three? So if you want to provide for them when they're here, they would love that. Scattered Sundays, Lindsay, I keep pointing over here because she was sitting right here. Where did Lindsay go? Oh, Brennan had a soccer game. So it's my life. I remember sitting in a class in seminary and Dr. Sosi looked at us. And he said, are there anybody in here who's got a stirring to like start a church, plant a church? And I was like, there's a few of us in there. And he made this statement. And he, and he said, for all of you too, if you like go on to be a pastor of a church, if the church is already there, he just said, be this kind of church. He said, if your church closed their doors and left town, would the community know? Would they even know that you were gone? Would they even care? Be the type of church that the community knows you're here. How? By the way we bless and serve the community. And if you close your doors and went away, the community would say, no, we need them. They do this and this and this and this. We want to be that kind of church. We desire to be a conduit of the heart of God to our community. We want to be a church who loves wide and serves neighbors with compassion and humility. Uh, every fifth Sunday, our church service is a serve day. The church has left the building. This past year, yard cleanups for elderly. We've served multiple schools. We've served alongside many of our ministry partners. We've helped with fire mitigation projects. We've done a lot of things to help our community. Um, it's hard, you guys, coming up with projects. It's only four times a year, and we're trying to come up with projects to mobilize hundreds of people. Guess what? It's not easy. And we need help. Lindsay specifically has said, if, if you are like, if you are about like our scattered serve Sundays, you're like, I love this about our church. Because we get that feedback. We're like, we love that we do this. She is wanting to get a scattered Sunday team of people that is helping with her brainstorm and connect with various projects so that we can continue to grow this ministry going forward. The next scattered serve Sunday, by the way, is October 30th. Um, so if you want to talk with someone about that, talk with Lindsay. Lastly, mission partners. Um, mission partners and scattered, um, scattered, sun, scattered Sundays and mission partners. I don't know if you know this or not, but 10% of everything that this church brings in offering gets set aside to our mission partners. And that's how we bless and serve and give financially to a lot of our mission partners. Um, in Fort Collins specifically, we are partnered relationally and financially with Alpha Center, uh, Lighthouse Sober Living, Surf 68, CSU Navigators, CSU Crew, CSU Ratio Christi, Northern Colorado Young Life, Northern Colorado Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And internationally, we are connected with Life for the Innocent, Conduit Missions, and we have a partnership with a church in Catadupa, Jamaica, um, that because of COVID, we haven't been there in the last three years, and Lindsay wanted everyone to know we're going back to Jamaica next summer on a 10-day serve trip. Uh, and so if you want to be involved in that, talk with Lindsay. And we're also working on developing mission partnerships in Israel and in Africa. 
uh, so that we have three kind of mission bases internationally that we are mobilizing you to go be a part of these things for. And so Lindsay's working um, on those things as well. I said this already, uh, worship team, you guys can come back up. I believe the best years are in front of us. I believe that. And I believe that because of the gospel and the power of the spirit of grace and truth. And I believe it because I'm looking at all of you. Um, and I would say this as we close and then we get to, to worship together. Um, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. We're going to sing a song to start called Simple Gospel. It's a song we've sung a lot of times over the years. And I think it's, it's a song for me that resonates uh, really um, for me in terms of our vision and our mission and our culture here. And then uh, who doesn't like to sing it as well with my soul in a packed house, a cappella to close a morning together. So I'm just priming the pump for it as well. Would we stand together and let's declare and sing with gratitude in our hearts the living God and celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what we believe God will do in us and through us in the years ahead.